The Cigar Dave Show podcast is presented by Diamond Crown. Sit back, relax, pour a drink, and light up a Diamond Crown as you begin the show with the general, Cigar Dave. This is CCRN, the Cigar Connoisseur Radio Network. Broadcasting from Humidor 1A in the cigar city of Tampa, Florida, USA. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure-friendly hotlines are open. 877-DAVE-007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time for the General Cigar Dave. Big weekend. The Kentucky Derby goes off this afternoon. And, of course, you can be sure that we will be spending ample amounts of time teaching you how to properly wager on one of the horses at the Kentucky Derby. We'll also tell you how to handicap, how to look for different advantages how to try to make some money on the Kentucky Derby. We'll be joined by Brad Free of the Daily Racing Forum, hour number two. And as always, lieutenants and fellow alphas, we will explore the alpha male lifestyle. As your commanding general, the global alpha male, you can be sure we will be undeterred by the feminists, the enemies of pleasure. As we enjoy the alpha male lifestyle, we enjoy cigars, great spirits, including Kentucky mint juleps, and everything associated with the world of alpha pleasure. Long Ash greetings and salutations, a Long Ash snappy salute, semper delictatio. Always pleasure. The global alpha, the global five-star front and center from Command Center Alpha in the cigar city of Tampa. Long live the alpha. Make America great again. Build that wall. Oh, I've also got a little build that wall story that I will tell you about uh, later on in this hour. But as always, if you care to communicate with me, you may do so electronically, Cigar Dave at CigarDave.com. Additionally, you can follow me on social media. Go to CigarDave.com. You'll see in the upper right, we've got all the links to follow me on social media, Twitter at Cigar Dave Show, Facebook, Cigar Dave, Instagram, Cigar Dave. And we will be, you will be able to follow us 24-7, 365, which could be a very scary thing. I must say that last weekend I made a comment about Brian Stelter of CNN. Basically has no talent. Typical lib, and I said he's perfect for CNN. He's got no talent. He's an ultra-left lib. And I got uh, just tons and tons of, e- of, of uh, Twitter responses from the enemies of alphaness from the left. And what is amazing is I believe he has the right to free speech. I never criticized that he had the right to speak. He can speak all he wants. But what I find amazing is how the the wussified betas, especially on the left, they love to turn everything around saying, oh, I had a hissy fit. That's not alpha. I didn't have to have a hissy fit. I made a comment. And by the way, you are free to comment back to me. I had no problem with reading everything that the enemies of Alphanus had to respond to me. But what I do find amazing is how the left lashes out. 
They love to just lash out, calling you names, getting extremely derogatory. They cannot have a civil debate, civil discourse. And by the way, I want to make one very quick comment here before we get into the items at hand today here on this edition, award-winning edition of the Cigar Dave Show. The Stephen Colbert issue. Extremely poor taste. When I think of late night, I think of Johnny Carson. He set the standard. And you'll notice that on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, go back and watch any of the YouTubes. He didn't get political. Now, did he make fun of all the presidents? Absolutely. Did he make fun of their families? Nope. Did he do things in jest? Was he mean-spirited? No. Ultra-political. He went after everybody. It was funny. People watch at that hour because they want to be entertained. I want to be entertained. If I go to a concert, I don't want to hear Barbara Streisand. First of all, I'd never go to a Barbara Streisand concert. But when she was in the Cigar City of Tampa, there were umpteen reports. People took videos, even though I guess they weren't supposed to. And she got a little political. Not excessively, but she got political. When people are paying, I don't care if it's $20 a ticket, $200 or $2,000 a ticket, they would like to go for two, three hours of entertainment. And the same thing is for religious ceremonies. I don't care if you're going on Christmas, on Easter, for the Jewish high holidays, for any holiday. When you go into a place of worship, I don't, and I would venture to say, you don't want to hear political speech. You don't want to hear the priest or the minister or the rabbi go on and on and on about a political candidate, even if that candidate happens to be somebody that I support. There are certain areas where politics should be off limits. I believe that houses of worship should be one, and when you go for entertainment, that should be another. Now, if you're watching CNN or you're watching Fox News or you're listening to talk radio, that's a different story. But Letterman started to get political. Jimmy Kimmel, people said, oh, he got political this week. I really don't think he did. He made a comment about a personal thing, and uh, maybe he ventured a little politically, but most of the time he stays out of politics. But when what, what Stephen Colbert did this week, to me, crossed the line. First of all, I thought it was extremely vulgar. Clearly, his show was failing when he tried to get out of that initial Stephen Colbert ca uh, character that he, for so many years, portrayed on the Comedy Central Network. When he got to CBS, it flopped. He wasn't winning. In fact, he was running third, and CBS was about to make a decision whether they were going to keep him or not. They were worried. Then he started going very political, and his numbers went up. But I find it interesting that all these libs went after Fox News and go after the advertisers of those commentators they disagree with, and they do so with a vengeance. And yet when, when Stephen Colbert says something that is extremely vulgar, that if I was an advertiser, I would look and say, if this guy doesn't apologize, I don't want to be associated with that. And by the way, I believe everybody has the right to free speech. I believe he had the right to say it. It was bad taste, extremely poor taste, has the right to say it. I have the right to tune it off. I haven't watched Stephen Colbert since the first week. I watched the highlight on YouTube because it went viral, I mean, on, on basically every Twitter feed and Facebook feed and, and on various news sources, so I wanted to watch it. Extremely vulgar. Went after, and if, by the way, if anybody would have done that for Obama or Hillary Clinton, again, there would have been a massive uproar to have a boycott of all the advertisers and fire that personality, but not a peep. So I just want you all to remember that down the road, if the libs go crazy, 
because somebody that's on the conservative or right says something under his right to free speech, even if it's vulgar or bad taste, I want you to remember, we'll call it the Colbert effect. You get the Colbert card, where if a conservative commentator says something and the liberals don't like it and start demanding an advertiser boycott or that that commentator or entertainer be fired, you just bring out the Colbert card and say, oh, no, I'm sorry. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. You didn't want to go after Colbert. You're not going after us. Very simple. There is no question there is a double standard. All right. I got off on a tangent that I didn't want to get onto, but this is what happens, fellow alphas. When you are an intelligent alpha, like you and I are, or many of the dames that are listening that are intelligent, we can rationally discuss subjects. We can rationally debate without going crazy, without jumping up and down into a hissy fit, which I was accused of, which did not happen. And that is something that goes on with fellow alphas having a cocktail, having a cigar coast to coast. And we do so here today. Now, when I come back, I'm going to give you Exhibit A. of Number one, a rush to judgment against a male who happens to be a football player on the collegiate level. Something took place this week in the Cigar City of Tampa with a judge, a female judge, who used a court opportunity to grandstand. And if there's anything we've learned from numerous cases that we've seen, and the most recent that I can remember is the Duke Lacrosse case, where the Duke Lacrosse players were accused of uh, sexually molesting and raping a woman who attended a party. And we subsequently found that there was a rush to judgment by the district attorney, and lo and behold, the Duke lacrosse players were innocent of all charges. If there's one thing we've learned, and one thing we learned from the time we're in school, there is a presumption of innocence in this country. Now, when I come back, I'm going to talk to you about what took place in the courtroom of Hillsborough County Judge Margaret Taylor. It was an absolute abomination, a dereliction of her duty as an officer of the court, and blatant man-hating. And we're seeing a lot of that. Masculine men, alphas under attack. Exhibit A, when we come back. The Cigar Dave Officers Club selection this month is the Avo Classic. To honor our longtime friend Avo Uvesian, this cigar is the harmony of Avo and master blender Hanky Kilner. Their collaboration offers an unforgettable experience of balance, enjoyment, and refined taste using rare tobaccos that have been aged for 25 years. Not a member of the Officers Club? Get premium cigars shipped directly to you every month by signing up today at Cigar Dave.com. In 1964, Jose O. Padron began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. Nearly 40 years later, Padron cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padron controlling all aspects of the cigar making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. 
to Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padron family, it's called making great cigars. The Padron lines include the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padron Traditional line. All Padron cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano tobacco, available in natural or maduro. Experience Padron. For your Padron retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padron is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor. Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. As a cigar connoisseur, one of the pleasures that we derive is walking into our retailer's humidor and seeing the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. Nine years ago, I had the idea that I wanted to share great cigars with the cigar lieutenants. So, the Officers Club was born. Every month, you will receive three fantastic premium cigars direct to your door, shipped in a very dapper Officers Club customized Ziploc cigar pouch. $22.95 per month gets you the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. No long-term contracts. You can cancel whenever you want. You enjoy great cigars right to your door. Names like Perdomo, Diamond Crown, Brickhouse, San Latano, Rocky Patel, Torano, CAO, Avo, Camacho, Greycliff, and many more. Join the Officers Club today. Go to CigarDave.com, click on Officers Club, and for $22.95, you'll get the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. With nads of steel like a conquistador, it's the General Cigar Dave. Well, I can tell you that there's one thing that gets me extremely perturbed. And that is when we see masculine men, or men period, being berated or being subject to ridicule or being attacked. Now... The story that I'm going to tell you, the case is real. The facts are real. It is the people's court. Actually, it's not the people's court. It was a grandstanding court. Hillsborough County Judge Margaret Taylor. On Wednesday, defensive end Ladarius Jackson of the University of South Florida Bulls was arrested Monday evening on charges of sexual battery and false imprisonment of another student in a campus residential hall. Now, there was certainly enough evidence at the time to make an arrest. And at his bond hearing, or at the hearing, he pleaded not guilty. He had a public defender. And there was a bond hearing. Now, normally, now first of all, no matter what happens, there is a presumption of innocence in this country. You are innocent until proven guilty. I don't know if... Ladarius Jackson, who plays defensive end for the University of South Florida, is innocent or guilty. If he is guilty, then he should be appropriately punished for for sexual battery and false imprisonment of another student. If he is innocent, either way, he has his day in court, and he should be able to present his evidence. And we have seen so many examples of men being targeted by women who have been scorned, who have blatantly lied, who have had men arrested, who have accused men of various crimes, only to subsequently find out later that they were scorned and that they did it out of vengeance. Well, the character 
of the alleged perpetrator, his character is shot. So you have to be very careful. Now, one thing we've learned from various cases, and again, I spoke of the Duke lacrosse case. Here were Duke lacrosse players who were accused at a, I don't know if it was a party, a fraternity party, whatever it was, and this has got to be, what, five years ago, seven years ago? I can't even remember, but it was relatively recent. They were accused of supposedly raping and attacking and molesting a woman, a black woman, who was a prostitute. That is the fact. Now, the immediate rush to judgment was that Well, these are all, they go to Duke, they're on the lacrosse team, they're white, they're all guilty. And of course, you had the black community up in arms, screaming. And you had the district attorney, Michael Nifong. Remember that name? Michael Nifong, who instead of going in front of a crowd of very an angry community in the black community, numerous people. I think I remember there was, there was uh, he, he, he held a public forum, and there's probably 300 people jumping up and down screaming. Instead of saying, look, I want to follow the evidence. Whether the students involved were white or black or any other race, the one thing that I want to be sure is we have a fair presentation of the facts, We investigate fairly. If we find that there is probable cause, then we will file charges, and it will work its way through the court system. But I want to make this very clear, that as the district attorney, my job is fairness. And if it was a black individual or individuals accused, or white individuals, we have to apply the same standard, period. And if you have a problem with that, I would say tell, tell the crowd, then how would you react if we had a rush to judgment from somebody in the black community that was accused and we didn't know the facts? But he handled it poorly. He kowtowed to them. In fact, I think he was up for re-election. So what did he do? He kowtowed to them. When there was evidence presented early on by the defense attorneys, he ignored it, blatantly ignored it. They had evidence from the from an ATM showing the time of of this attack supposedly occurring. And this woman gave her story and said, this is when it happened. They had multiple examples of evidence. One of the kids was at an ATM at that time, wasn't anywhere near that house. And yet the district attorney ignored the evidence. Well, what happened? All those Duke lacrosse players, after being kicked out of school, being suspended, expelled from Duke University, they were all charged. Their families had to go in debt in hoc to fit, get defense attorneys. And even when the evidence was presented, the district attorney ignored it. Filed charges. Ultimately, it led to the removal of the district attorney from the case. A uh, state, uh, The governor had to appoint a, a special prosecutor who looked at all the evidence, threw it all out, and then they went after the district attorney. He was disbarred. Disbarred for dereliction of duty. So I always say, before we make any accusations, there could be probable cause, let's see what happens in court. Well, here is a perfect example. Perfect example. Hillsborough County Judge Margaret Taylor, who herself is a University of South Florida graduate, when she had the University of South Florida Bulls player Ladarius Jackson in her courtroom for a bond hearing, a, 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 a plea hearing, And a bond hearing, 
This is what she had to say. And this was, she tried to make it like this was extemporaneous, off the cuff. This was contrived. This, she looked at this as her opportunity to get her 15 minutes of fame, or in this case, about three minutes of fame, which now has exploded and gone viral across the country. This is the judge, Margaret Taylor, flunky, by the way, who wants to be the next Judge Judy, going after not only the player before the evidence is all in, but also the head coach who's only been there four months. And this wasn't even a player that he recruited. Take a listen. And I've looked at the CRA, Mr. Jackson, and if these allegations against you are true, I must say that your behavior is nothing short of outrageous. Mr. Jackson, I need to let you know that I also, I mean, I graduated from USF. I'm an alumni. I graduated from USF in 1989, long before there was a football team. And while USF may not be the top-ranked school in the nation, I was never ashamed of being an alum until now. Embarrassed and ashamed, Mr. Jackson, let's just say my USF diploma is not proudly hanging in my office right now. And I have a message for your coach as well. Coach Strong, if you are listening, in the last couple of months, there have been two arrests of your players for very violent felonies. This court, and I'm sure I'm not alone, questions whether you have control over your players. It's fairly clear that you do not have control of them off the field, and I guess only time will tell whether you have control over them on the field. I would implore you to think long and hard about whether being head coach at USF is a good fit for you. Well, I have to tell you that, and you will see this, by the way, we will show this to you on, we're going to post this at CigarDave.com and social media if you haven't seen it already. She tries to make it like she's being extemporaneous, trying to make it appear that this is coming right off the top of her head. This was totally pre-planned and totally contrived. Judge Margaret Taylor thinks this is her shot to be the next Judge Judy. She's already fantasizing about the next being the next Judge Judy, the next Judge Joseph Wapner. No chance. She blew that. And for her to prejudge this particular student or this particular gentleman that was arrested before the evidence and to make a, a long-winded speech is outrageous. Now, she ended up recusing herself after the terrible negative publicity. But when I come back, I'm going to tell you what the U- University of South Florida football coach had to say and give you more comments about this Margaret Taylor when we continue around the corner. Absolutely unacceptable. The attack on men continues. The General is always on Twitter, delivering breaking news, giving you the latest intel on cigars, and battling the enemies of pleasure. Chat with the General now at Cigar Dave Show.
It's an exquisite day here at the Jensen Estate patio overlooking the 13th green. And we're underway. Jim Jensen has chosen his favorite stick. The Diamond Crown Number no. 4 by J.C. Newman. See the way he holds the cigar, Tom? Mm -hmm. Excellent balance and heft. Ooh, he's eyeing the Silky Connecticut Shade Wrapper. Fermented twice for the smoothest, richest flavor. And hand-rolled by the Fuente family with a blend of six to seven distinct Dominican and Caribbean Basin tobacco leaves. Each lovingly aged for at least five years. Oh, now Jensen's lighting up the Diamond Crown. He's got a precision burn, Tom. Mm, those highly complex flavors with hints of dark chocolate really deliver, Bill. Yes, like all cigars in J.C. Newman's premium diamond crown line. That'd be the highly rated Maximus and the Julius Caesar. Ah, now Jensen's settling in, rolling the rich smoke through his nose. Look at the satisfaction on his face, Bill. Oh, a thing of beauty, Tom. Experience the premium diamond crown brand by J.C. Newman at select retailers or Diamond Crown Lounge near you. Find us on Facebook at J.C. Newman Cigar Co. or visit diamondcrown.com. Feasting on a sheep's carcass, the general viciously shreds the enemies of pleasure and licks his blood-soaked chops with the taste of victory. And I viciously attack the enemies of justice. Again, talking about the Hillsborough County Judge Margaret Taylor here in the Cigar City of Tampa. It's made national headlines. You've seen it on ESPN. You've seen it on CNN, Fox. It's been everywhere. Been everywhere. Went on a, a, a rant, a three-minute rant, absolutely preconceived, precontrived. She knew exactly what she was doing. And again, trying to make it like she is the defender of all justice. She, in my opinion, should face severe sanctions from the Supreme Court of Florida and the Florida Bar. Because one thing, when you go into a court, this was not a sentencing hearing. This was a plea hearing. Whether or not, how do, you, how do you plea? How did defensive end Ladarian, or Ladarius Jackson of the University of South Florida Bulls, how did he plea? Well, he pled not guilty, number one. And then it was a question on the bond hearing. Now, normally for someone like this, the bond hearing would, the bond would normally be set either, usually not at his own recognizance, but ten dollars to $15,000. What did Margaret Taylor slap him with? $100,000. So he's still sitting in jail now from when he was arrested on Monday evening. Now, again, I don't know if Ladarius Jackson is innocent or guilty, but I do know that in this country you have the presumption of innocence until you are proven guilty. He is entitled to a reasonable bail. $100,000 is not reasonable bail. Now, Judge Margaret Taylor, this woman clearly had an agenda in mind. And, and the dramatic, I'm a university, a South Florida graduate, and... My diploma hangs on my wall, and it, it's a little stained. It's a little tarnished now. Boo-freaking-who. Please. This was her opportunity to get her. He, this is exact. She is thinking, this is going to now go viral, and I'm going to start getting calls from Hollywood agents, from Hollywood, from syndicators, because I've got an agenda. 
I'm going to take, I'm going to be a national star. I'm going to be the next Judge Judy, the next Judge Wapner, and any other trial judge that you can think of. Uh, what is it? Judge Joe, Judge, you name it. They all want to get all these judges look and say, hey, I can trade in this $135,000 salary. And hey, Judge Judy made 30, 40 million last year. Cha-ching. Let me tell you something. This judge, Margaret Taylor, has zero talent. First of all, she's nothing to look at. Actually, pretty scary to look at. And has zero talent or personality to do anything when it comes to a national television program. No chance of that happening. And she blew it. Because now people are going to look and say, wait a minute. You got attention for the wrong reason. You're getting attention because you are blatantly grandstanding. And you are judging somebody based before you even have all the evidence that's in. And what happens? What happens if indeed Ladarius Jackson is found innocent, is found not guilty, is found that the woman who accused him lied? I don't know if it happened or not. I'm just bringing that up. Then all of a sudden, this judge has got a tremendous amount of egg on her face. This was nothing more than a plea hearing and a bail hearing. He pleaded not guilty, bail. Oh, no, she used this. To basically, this was to her a sentencing hearing. And what did she do after the press, of course, everybody excoriated her? And uh, a number of experts said, well, what she did was, of course, within her, w w it doesn't violate judicial ethics or any other sort of uh, line. Really? What you've done now is tainted to me the jury pool. This case would have gotten, it would have basically gotten publicity, but she now took this to a national level. And now his right to a fair trial will be compromised. Now, she also went after University of South Florida head coach Charlie Strong, who was hired back in January. He was fired at the University of Texas after, I think, three, four seasons. He was at the University of Louisville as the head coach, did a great job there before that, defensive coordinator at the University of Florida. The one thing that everybody has said about Charlie Strong, he runs a clean program. He has zero tolerance for any shenanigans or any disciplinary issues. And in fact, the player involved here, as well as another player that was suspended not that long ago, were players that he didn't even recruit. These are players that were on the team as part of the previous coach's recruiting efforts. Now, to go after and blast Charlie Strong, the head coach, and say, I'm not alone, this court, and I'm sure I'm not alone, questions whether you have control over your players. It's fairly clear that you don't have the control off the field. You got two bad apples. He doesn't have control of his program. And then she says, I'd implore you to think long and hard about whether being head coach at USF is a good fit for you. Excuse me. I should say to the judge, to this Maggie Taylor, Margaret Taylor, that I would implore you to think long and hard about whether being a judge, a fair and impartial judge, is a good fit for you because you have disgraced and embarrassed your profession. You have tarnished the profession. And in my estimation, the Supreme Court should admonish you, if not fire you from your current position, and at the very least, you should be suspended, and the Bar Association should spend her as well, because to me, this is a blatant ethics violation of a judge who should be very fair. At this hearing, all she should have said, how do you plead? And I'm going to set bail based upon these standards. Now, if he would have been found guilty, and she's handing a sentence, that is a different story. But it wasn't. Now, this is what Charlie Strong, he's not come out and made a public statement in terms of 
going in front of video cameras or a press conference. He, he came out with a written statement, and I want to share that with you. In the short time I've been here, our program has been built on character, discipline, and family. We have wonderful young men in the University of South Florida football program who choose to do the right thing every day. We are dedicated to recruiting young men of high character and to consistently developing them with structure and frequent education regarding appropriate conduct and behavior on and off the playing field. While I am shocked and saddened at the recent arrest of a member of our team, I am disappointed that the actions of two players over the last two months have harmed the reputation of our program, of our wonderful university, and of my character. We have high expectations of our coaches, staff, and student-athletes, and we hold accountable those who act contrary to our values. He was right. Very classy. Now, after that statement came out, and after her video went viral and getting castigated, Thursday morning, she issued, Judge Taylor issued a voluntary disqualification order removing her from the case, citing a state judicial rule about a defendant fearing he won't get a fair hearing because of prejudice or bias of the judge. Now, she knew that going in when she castigated the player. She knew that going in when she castigated Ladarius Jackson. She knew it. Now, of course, she had plenty of time for comments when she was on the going after Mr. Jackson, but had no comment Thursday, yesterday, or as of today. The Hillsborough County Public Defender, Julie Holt, who represents Jackson, said her attorneys had already prepared a motion to recuse the judge and revisit the bail amount had the judge not taken herself off the case. The judge set Jackson's bail at $102,500. Now, there is absolutely no way that he can come up with that bail. And the public defender said the bond is extremely high and that this defendant may have had may as well have no bond at all because that's the equivalent and a new judge will hear the case and um, that uh, the bail probably will be set down towards a 15 or twenty thousand dollar amount but this is absolutely outrageous now if I were Charlie Strong the head coach I would publicly come up I would have a press conference and say I'm going to look at the judge very straight up I'm embarrassed that you as a University of South Florida graduate who as a judge, an educated judge, would castigate our entire program and me considering I just got here. I'm not going to allow my character, my integrity to be impugned by somebody that doesn't know me, doesn't know how I run my program, or anyone else. And the judge should offer an apology. Now, this is not the first time that Judge Margaret, let's call her Maggie since we're all friends, since Judge Maggie Taylor has been in the try to get some national publicity. Let's go back to the year 2000. Let's see, when was this? This was two years ago. So let's go back to 2015. HGTV, Home and Garden Television, a TV show called House Hunters. Season 103, Episode 9. Headline from HGTV in their press release, Tampa judge seeks ultra-modern downtown home. A Tampa judge is ready to start a new chapter in her life after a recent divorce. She's leaving her suburban dream house and looking for a place in Tampa's revitalized downtown. And it goes on and on. Now, I am not surprised that she is a divorcee. Because can you imagine as a man being married to this broad? Can you imagine having 
because you know this judge clearly, in my opinion, looking at what she has to say, she's got some sort of feminist slant and some sort of anger issues towards men. There is no doubt about it. And looking at her, trust me, there's nobody in line saying, i got to have that hot broad. Woo! That judge, whoo, she is hot. Whole package, smart, hot. Got to tell you, sweetheart, the eyebrows, get them plucked. You got the bleach blonde hair and you got the dark brown eyebrows. Nobody could ever tell the carpet doesn't match the cuffs. Nobody could ever tell. Or the drapes don't match the carpet, whatever. Clearly, this woman has anger issues towards men. There is no question in my mind. And clearly, this woman loves the attention. That's why she wanted to get out on uh, national television. So clear she's got a plan. She gets on HGTV. I'm newly divorced. I want to go from the suburbs into the city. Trust me, this woman wouldn't even be allowed within a 5,000-mile radius of my harem. No chance in hell. First of all, forget how she looks. But let's talk about how she sounds. I mean, let's face it. She's got the definition of major F-N-S, female nag syndrome. And I'm sorry, but no men, no man, no alpha male wants a woman with F-N-S, female nag syndrome. Because I guarantee you, she wants to be the alpha. She wants to be the chit with a Richard, and you can use the slang for Richard. We're a family show. Well, not really, but because we're on the public airwaves. There are different FCC regulations, and as opposed to Stephen Colbert, I won't go there in an over-the-air airwave setting. But there is no question she has an agenda. This is part of her plan to get even more attention, now thinking, oh, hear that sound? That is the sound of Hollywood agents and Hollywood producers knocking on my door to have me come out to audition to be the next TV judge. Not going to happen, Judge Margaret Taylor. You have screwed the pooch. You have screwed the pooch of ever, ever getting to higher office or a higher judgeship. You have screwed the pooch of ever getting a TV gig. And I'm going to tell you something. I think you probably screwed the pooch of ever getting a man that would put up with you. The only kind of man she's going to get are wussified betas that want to be, you know, basically put on a leash and, uh, and dragged around like a little dog. Bow wow. Because an alpha male wouldn't put up with her for a millisecond. First of all, alpha males like attractive women. Successful alpha males, we all want hot women. We want the trophy. She's not a trophy. <laughs> She's not going in anybody's trophy case. No. She's not anywhere near trophy status. She's in the NAG Hall of Fame. So as far as I'm concerned, this is absolutely outrageous. It is unacceptable. It has absolutely no place. And what she did was go after a person that she prejudged when her dictate as a judge of the court is to assume that everyone is innocent until there's a standard. Innocence until proven guilty. Maybe she should go back to remedial law school to learn that. Don't they teach you that at the first day of a criminal class? Apparently, Judge Taylor, I don't even know how she got to be a judge, Frank. Oh, Judge, uh, or uh, I think Governor Bush appointed her. Well, fact of the matter is, she's going to probably be there for a long time because she's never going any higher, and she's not going to TV. Sorry, Judge. You 
you screwed the pooch on that one. All right, when we come back, National Cigar Litation Ceremony, hour number two, we will be joined by Brad Free of the Daily Racing Forum. The Kentucky Derby runs later today. We will talk about everything you need to know about the race, how to properly wager, what you need to do to handicap horses. So it shouldn't be just a one-time deal. It's, it's a great afternoon to go out to the track someday or even bet electronically now. You sit in front of your computer. You can make your bets. You can watch all the races from 20 racetracks across the country while you're smoking your cigar, having your libation. It is a beautiful thing. And also... Next week, if you attended the Cigar Dave Alpha Pleasure Fest on the river in the Buffalo Theater of Operations the last two years, you will be receiving a special email later this week where we will have a special link where you can purchase your tickets. The date of the 2017 Cigar Dave Alpha Pleasure Fest on the River is Saturday, August 12, 2017, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. at Buffalo Riverworks, downtown Buffalo, as we are going to debut Five different new Gurkha blends and brands coming from Gurkha. They just uh, made a big announcement. Uh, they purchased a big factory in Nicaragua. Next week, we'll spend more time on that, but it will be a great time. And then probably, I would say, right around uh, May 20th, we will open up tickets to the rest of the public. But if you attended the last two years, you get first dibs on the ticket as our a way of showing our gratitude for your loyalty and your patronage. Always a great time, great cigars, great libations, great entertainment, great time of the year. Mark it down Saturday, August 12th, Buffalo Riverworks, Buffalo, New York, for the Cigar Dave Alpha Pleasure Fest. Great time to escape the South, where it's nice and hot and humid, and come up to the Northeast. We will continue with the National Cigar Litation and Libation Ceremony next. If you miss any of the general show, you can catch up anytime with the Cigar Dave mobile app. Presented by Diamond Crown. Listen to the most recent show simply by opening the app with our continuous replay. Or you can download a podcast of a past show. Search Cigar Dave in the App Store to get it. America is under attack. Basic freedoms, privileges, and acts that we would normally take for granted are disappearing each day, including the simple ability to enjoy a cigar. This is Glenn Loop, Executive Director of Cigar Rights of America, CRA. At a time when elected officials should be thinking about education, public safety, and creating jobs, they are actually thinking about smoking bans, new taxes, and regulations of historic proportions on premium cigars. The cigars that provide us with pleasure, relaxation, and fellowship are under attack. We have to stop it. That's why Cigar Rights of America was created, to work for a new political day for cigar enthusiasts across America, to roll back restrictive laws and defeat onerous taxes and regulations that impact everyone from your local cigar shop to your personal humidor. For the price of a few great cigars, be a part of this effort to protect your right to enjoy a cigar without excessive taxation and cumbersome legislation. Go to CigarRights.org. Let's tell the government we've had enough. Join now, CigarRights.org. The brand new Cigar Dave mobile app for both iPhone and Android devices is finally out. If you go right now, either to the iTunes store or the Google Play store, search for Cigar Dave and download our brand new app. It allows you to listen to the show live on your mobile device. 
You can listen to all of our podcasts. The last 10 podcasts are always available. Cigar Dave Daily Briefings. Additionally, it gives you direct access within the app to our Twitter page, our Facebook page. We also have the ability for you to call the show during the show right from the app, as well as send me a text message and an email. We also put in a couple of bonus items. You can get a weather uh, uh, alert as well as an alarm clock. It is the brand-new Cigar Dave mobile app. You can listen to the Cigar Dave show anytime any place, anywhere. Go right now to the iTunes Store or Google Play Store and download the brand new Cigar Dave mobile app. With an unlimited and secure supply of pleasure sticks available for the general to enjoy, it's time for National Cigar Litation Maneuvers. Well, if you're a member of the Cigar Dave Officers Club, you should have by today received the April 2017 selection of the Gurkha 125th Anniversary Cigar. Now, they went out just a little bit late because... Wanted to make sure the 125th were properly aged, so they wanted to keep them in the aging room just about another 10 days, which they did. And they have been shipped out this past Monday and Tuesday. You should be receiving them either yesterday. You should have received them yesterday, starting today, going into early next week. So the April 2017 selection, the Gurkha 125th anniversary. Gurkha is known within the cigar industry as the Rolls-Royce of cigars. Traces its roots back to 1887 when British colonial soldiers made cigars using Nepalese tobacco, named them after the fearless Gurkha warriors of the area, and the Gurkha 125th pays tribute to the brand's founding great blend, medium to full-bodied, savory notes of spice, vanilla, coffee, very smooth, very balanced, just an elegant cigar any way you look at it. The wrapper is a nice chocolatey Brazilian Cubra. Binder is Ecuadorian Habano. And the filler is Brazil, Nicaragua, Dominican. It is a great cigar. You cannot go wrong with it. Now, I've just pulled out the Torpedo, which will run you. By the way, these are so in demand, these can get into back order situations pretty quick. But just a beautiful cigar in the eight and a half nine dollar category. Wonderful stick. I've got the torpedo, six and a half inches in length, 54 ring gauge, the Gurkha 125th anniversary. And by the way, we're going to have I think three or four. Well, they're launching five new brands this summer at the Cigar Retailers Convention. We're going to feature at the Buffalo Alpha Pleasure Fest Saturday, August 12th. Probably three of those brands, maybe more. You will be the first in the country to get those. And I've sampled a few of them off the charts cigar altering and highly sharpened leaf exposing device well self-sharpening double-edged stainless steel guillotine ready for action maximum btu flame throwing and heat producing apparatus well once again i'm going to go old school i don't know what it is i'm on this flint litation lighter kick 
You know, I always love the SST, the, the big gas flames that look like uh, the jets you put on the back of a 727 or 757. But I've really been getting in. I've been getting some great, just going back traditional. Sometimes you want to go old school, so I've got my flint-based litation device. That's what I will use today. Oldest method known to man to create fire. That's what I will use today in the 21st century for this litation ceremony. Cigar, Cigar pre-litation checklist complete. No faults detected. Area clear of all enemies of pleasure. Approval to go throttle up in three, two, one. All right, perfect cut. I will toast the foot of the cigar. And as I do, oh, wow. Love. What an incredible few puffs. Mm. Right again? Oh, yeah. Mm. Puffing and rotating, taking my time. Tell you something. Gurkha makes exquisite cigars. Mm. Gurkha 125th, smack dab on the money, and it will go great with my Woodford Reserve Kentucky bourbon that I will sample in the second hour. And we'll also teach you how to make a mint julep as we celebrate the Kentucky Derby. Next hour, Brad Free joins us from the Daily Racing Forum, wagering and handicapping 101 Kentucky Derby. The run for the roses next. The Cigar Dave Show podcast is presented by Diamond Crown. Sit back, relax, pour a drink, and light up a Diamond Crown as you begin the show with the General Cigar Dave. This is CCRN, the Cigar Connoisseur Radio Network. Broadcasting from Humidor 1A in the cigar city of Tampa, Florida, USA. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure-friendly hotlines are open. 877-DAVE-007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time for the General Cigar Dave. At 6.43 p.m. Eastern Time tonight, the 143rd running of the Kentucky Derby will take place. Churchill Downs, Louisville, Kentucky. And for the next three, four weeks, all of the sports world is focused on the racing world. Now, even though horse racing goes on 12 months out of the year, there's something very special about the first Saturday in May. Big-time tradition. You see goofy ladies that wear funny hats that don't know the difference between the front of a horse and the ass of a horse. Couldn't tell you the difference. All they know is they're there to be seen wearing funny hats and enjoy the social aspect. And I'm sure it must irk some diehard horse racing enthusiasts but loads of attention, and it all begins tonight. Welcome back, hour number two of the Cigar Dave Show, and it is an exciting time of year for numerous reasons. Number one, you know when the Kentucky Derby starts, when the Kentucky Derby goes off the first Saturday of May, really spring is officially upon us, especially in the Northeast, the Midwest, where the weather for the last three, four, five months has been kind of overcast and snowy and gray and damp. You know that spring and summer is arriving, 
just a great time. When I lived up in the Northeast, I used to always judge when spring and summer has arrived by the start of the Kentucky Derby. And it is a great time. Even if you don't know anything about horses, it generates enormous interest. Over 100,000 people take uh, part at Churchill Downs in Louisville. Just a great time of the year. And it's my pleasure to welcome a repeat guest here on the Cigar Dave Show as we talk handicapping 101 and Kentucky Derby wagering. We've got Brad Free, who is a noted handicapper in Southern California and columnist for the Daily Racing Forum. Brad, by the way, author of several great books, which I have in my library. Brad, great to have you with us once again. Well, thanks for having me on again, Dave. I appreciate it. I did not pick the winner last year, so I wasn't quite sure if you were going to uh, rem remember my phone number or not, but apparently you did. And uh, Well, we I, I, did admit, I, I did admit I put a wager on the horse. I can't remember at the time. But I did put a wager on it. But I also put it on another horse, the, the winning horse, as it turned out. But uh, you did give us some interesting, I'll tell you, I did learn a lot on how, what to look for in analyzing a race. And before we even I get to the Kentucky Derby, let's talk a little bit about horse racing. Because I remember my first introduction to horse racing was I was in high school. I had a history teacher, Earl Friedman, we call the Duke of Earl, great guy. And he loved horse racing. And even though he was a history teacher, he taught me more about math through horse racing. And I remember I would stop on the way to school in the morning, high school, get the daily racing form. That was before there was an internet. And we would look at the different uh, horses. And at that time, where I grew up in Buffalo, really um, handy or, uh, harness racing was very big. You have Bo Batavia Downs, Buffalo Raceway, there's Vernon Downs. So I really learned there, but I really developed a, an appreciation, a love for the analytical part of going through the daily racing form, looking at every horse, examining their speed, who was the jockey. To me, it's almost very cerebral. It's, 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 a, 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 it's a great exercise in keeping your brain active. It's a wonderful exercise. It's like doing a crossword puzzle or being a private detective, and you get to do it every half hour when you're at the races. There's a lot of factors that go into deciding which horse to wager on. And Dave, you, you mentioned, you know, you, you learn from a, a school teacher. I learned from my dad. And I remember going out to Santa Anita Park on my dad's shoulders. This was way back when I was five, six years old. And it was my dad and my uncles that kind of taught me the nuts and bolts of handicapping, how to read the daily racing form, how to analyze these equine athletes. And that's what they are. They're not just horses. They're athletes. And they have idiosyncrasies. They have things that they like, things they don't like. They have hor other horses they prefer to run against, others they would appreciate not running against. And you boil all that stuff down and you can come up with a, an intelligent reason to back a particular horse based on condition, class, speed, and pace. There's a lot that goes into it, but it's not as complex as a lot of people make it out to be. There's a few basic factors to consider. And once you just boil it down to those simple factors, what condition the horse is in, what class level he runs best at, his speed, how fast he is, and the pace dynamics of the race, the tempo of the race. Those four factors are the most important. And anybody, Joe Public, can figure out how to pick a winner in horse racing. It's not as easy in a 20-horse field like the Derby, but it's not as complex as people make it out to be. Brad, you, you interesting you talk about they are athletes. And when you look at a racehorse, a thoroughbred horse up front, up close, when you're at the track, 
they're really amazing athletic machines. Well, they are absolutely amazing, and they're they are very well cared for, and they also enjoy their job. They love to run. It's in their bloodlines. Thoroughbreds are bred to run, and they're bred to run fast. And if you put a bunch of horses out in the field together, every now and then you'll see a couple break off and race each other out in the fields. They do love their job. They enjoy their job. And they're, they are well cared for, at least out here in California, they certainly are. And, and you're right. They're athletes, and, and they, they, they go out there and uh, do their job on a daily basis. They race every three or four weeks. They train almost every day like any athlete would, and then they show up on race day and uh, made the best horse win. I believe that a, a case could be made that the greatest athlete of all time was Secretariat. Well, you could make that argument. There are a lot of other good horses that did not uh, you know, win the Triple Crown that were as good, if not better, than Secretariat. Dr. Fager certainly comes to mind, but Secretariat came along in 1973 when the country kind of needed a hero, and he he provided he filled the void. Secretary did, and his win in the Belmont Stakes by the length of the grandstand was one of the great sporting performances of all time. Um, you know, we could spend an hour and a half debating on who the greatest horse of all time was, and if somebody said it was Secretary, I wouldn't disagree with him. But I might uh, cast a vote in a different direction. He was a wonderful animal, a, a triple crown winner, and uh, a, a great horse that came along right when this country needed it most. Yeah, and, but, but when you just go back now and watch the race, you go to YouTube, and we'll post the links to the, to the triple crown of 1973. It was almost effortless how he ran. I mean, you know, it was almost like he's like, okay, you know, I got the pack, but here we go. And really, it almost looked like he didn't break a sweat. Well, and, you know, he also had previously broken the heart of his main challenger. That was a horse by the name of Swaps, who tried Secretariat in the Derby, in the Preakness, and by the time they got to the Belmont, poor Swaps, just, he just had enough. Um, his heart had been broken by a horse that was better than he was, and once Swaps fell to the wayside, it was all over. Secretariat in a race all by himself, moving like a tremendous machine. And it was it was something to watch. And, you know, it's it's one of those races that every now and then I just like to go back and just take a look at because it was was so special, as was the Belmont Stakes win by American Pharaoh two years ago, who became the first Triple Crown winner in 37 years. So it's cool to watch these great horses, you know, kind of develop to the to the cream of the crop, to the top of the crop. And American Pharaoh did exactly what Secretariat did uh, many, many years earlier. And that string together three consecutive top performances over a five-week span at three different racetracks at three different distances. Churchill Downs in Kentucky, Pimlico in Maryland, and at Belmont Park in the state of New York. So tough, tough three-race sequence to knock out, but American Pharaoh did it, so did Secretariat. Well, that Kentucky Derby is just so filled with, I mean, usually what, there's like 20 horses, sometimes more, and it's really almost a free-for-all. You can have great horses that can get boxed in, and, and because of such a large field, but usually the cream does rise to the top. Well, usually the best horse wins. It, there is a 20-horse maximum in the Kentucky Derby. There were actually 22 that entered, but the two also eligibles did not get into the race. through. So there will be 20 horses running. And yeah, there are inherent traffic problems in a large field. 
but not to a degree that you would say, you know, the best horse doesn't win because the best horse does win most of the time. In fact, the last four years, the betting favorite has delivered. Nyquist last year, American Pharaoh, California Chrome, and Orb. The last four Derby winners were all horses that the consensus, the betting public as a whole, expected to win. In the case of Orb, he had to come from well out of it. The other three horses, California Chrome, American Pharaoh, and Nyquist, they all had a forwardly placed running style that typically leads to a more advantageous trip. There are fewer challenges facing a pace presser, a horse with speed, than a horse that has to rally from the back of the pack, weave in and out, and you know catch every break along the way, which is exactly what Orb did. But uh, most of the time, the best horse wins, and it's it's really kind of surprising, even to somebody like myself who watches these horses on a daily basis. In a twenty-horse field, yeah, there's going to be some traffic problems, but the best horses. The best athletes are able to extricate themselves from those dicey situations, make their own trip, bulldoze their way through when required to do so. And, you know, the best horse is going to win most of the time in the Kentucky Derby. Brad Free, handicapper, columnist for the Daily Racing Forum, our guest, written uh, numerous books, great books, which I've had for many years. But when we come back, we will talk about how to handicap a race, what to look for. We'll give you a guide so that you know nothing about horse racing, nothing about handicapping. We'll guide you through it and also how to bet their online ways of betting. Things have changed so dramatically the last number of years. As you can be in your office, you can be on your mobile phone, and you can wager and watch a race at the same time. It is a beautiful thing. And we'll also get into the Kentucky Derby, the 143rd running. We'll give you the odds. We'll tell you who uh, looks to be the favorite. And as always, Brad gives us his pick. We will continue front and center around the corner as the horses make their way to the post. The May selection for the Cigar Dave Officers Club is honoring the life of Avo Uvesian with the Avo Classic. This cigar is smooth and creamy with notes of pepper. The Avo Classic is mild to medium in taste and crafted from an impressive blend of Dominican fillers and binders in a stunning Ecuadorian wrapper. It's easy to join the Officers Club to have these cigars shipped directly to you. Just log on to CigarDave.com. In 1964, Jose O. Padron began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. Nearly 40 years later, Padron cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padron controlling all aspects of the cigar-making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. To Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padron family, it's called making great cigars. The Padron lines include the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padron Traditional line. All Padron cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano tobacco, available in natural or maduro. Experience Padron. For your Padron retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padron is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor. Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. The brand new Cigar Dave mobile app. 
for both iPhone and Android devices is finally out. If you go right now, either to the iTunes Store or the Google Play Store, search for Cigar Dave and download our brand new app. It allows you to listen to the show live on your mobile device. You can listen to all of our podcasts. The last 10 podcasts are always available. Cigar Dave Daily Briefings. Additionally, it gives you direct access within the app to our Twitter page, our Facebook page. We also have the ability for you to call the show during the show right from the app, as well as send me a text message and an email. We also put in a couple of bonus items. You can get a weather uh, uh, alert as well as an alarm clock. It is the brand-new Cigar Dave mobile app. You can listen to the Cigar Dave show anytime, any place, anywhere. Go right now to the iTunes Store or Google Play Store and download the brand-new Cigar Dave mobile app. A song that you will hear before the horses make their way to the post position and the Kentucky Derby, the 143rd running, gets underway. It is, of course, my old Kentucky home, written in 1893. The sun shines bright. Actually, let me do it with my Kentucky accent here. The sun shines bright on my old Kentucky home. Tis summer. The donkeys are gay. Can you say that these days? The darkies are gay? I guess you can. I think they're referring to a type of flower. The corn tops ripe in the meadows in bloom while the birds make music all the day. And we'll post those lyrics in case you want to sing along as they do in Churchill Dowds later today. Brad Free, noted handicapper columnist for the Daily Racing Forum, rejoins us talking handicapping 101 in the Kentucky Derby. Now, Brad... To be a uh, a handicapper and uh, a noted columnist for the Daily Racing Forum, do they give you a test on knowing the lyrics of My Old Kentucky Home? No, they don't, but I, I have read that uh, they've kind of turned the lyrics into something a little bit more politically correct. And that line you referred to, it's summer and the people are gay. So they've changed it to... Summer and the people are gay, a, a non-offensive term that can... Actually, I thought they were referring to a flower when they said the darkies. I didn't realize. I thought they were referring to some flower or whatever. No, I didn't realize was, it know, was that blatantly like, uh, you know, like racist. Well, I, I think... I did Because I'm looking at the original lyrics here. And again, I don't... I, again, I'm a Yankee. So I, uh, I get a pass. But I'm looking at these lyrics and they are... Some of them are... Uh, weep no more, my lady. Oh, weep no more today. We will sing one song for the old Kentucky home, for the old Kentucky home far away. Some it's a great verse. song. I'll never forget. Yeah. I'll never forget being in the grandstand at Churchill Downs in 1988 for the first Kentucky Derby that I ever went to. And when the horses came out onto the track and they started playing my old Kentucky home, I have to admit, I mean, I, 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 Got tears in my eyes. It was one of those things that if you're a racing fan, which I've been in my entire life, and you're going to the Kentucky Derby for the very first time, the post parade of the Kentucky Derby, singing my old Kentucky home, if that doesn't make you choke up, then nothing will. I'll never forget that day, 1988, and that was when the Philly winning colors raced wire to wire.
Well, it's interesting because I have a couple of friends that actually made their way up to Louisville Downs and, uh, and Kentucky on Thursday. And as I stated to both those ladies, I said, ladies, you don't know the difference between a horse's head and a horse's ass. And they both nodded in agreement and said, that's true, but we at least get to wear the hats and we're in the middle of all the socialites. So I guess uh, there's something for everyone at the Kentucky Derby, which brings us into how to properly handicap a race. Now, Brad, you mentioned there are four things, condition of the horse, class, speed, and pace. And I have in front of me the copy of the Introduction to Wagering and Winning from the Daily Racing Forum, which goes through a whole bunch of different things on how to read a, the Daily Racing Forum. But let's talk about those four specific factors. Condition of horse, number one. Well, the condition of the horse, if you just think about a, a racehorse as an athlete or, or your favorite sports team, sports teams and human athletes, they go through cycles. Sometimes they're you know hitting the ball like crazy. Sometimes, you know, they're lucky to, uh, you know, to, to bat 200 for over a, a span of games. Horses are similar. There are times when a horse is competing, but maybe not competing all that well. And then there are times when a horse is running and running very well. Most of the horses that are in the Kentucky Derby enter in top condition. Their, their form is already evident. If they were not in form, they probably would not be here, which does not mean that there aren't some horses that you, you look at you look at their recent history and you go, well, maybe this horse is not in form. As an example, there's a horse named Untrapped. Last time out, he finished sixth. Now, that is a horse that might not be at the top of his game. On the other hand, there are horses such as Thunder Snow. He's coming in from Dubai where he, is won, he won the last three starts of his career or uh, two, two races in Dubai and one in France. He is a horse that is in form. So as a general broad sense, a horse that has finished in the money in his or her most recent start is generally perceived as being in form. The same with a baseball team. If that team, that baseball team has won, won uh, you know, two of its last three starts or uh, games or four of its last six, you can kind of surmise that that team is playing well. A racehorse that finished in the money, it's his last start is running well. So that's like that's the first criteria to examine the condition of a horse. Is he or she running well? The second one is class. And by class, what I mean is has the horse run well under conditions similar to what he or she is facing today? And that would for as an example, always dreaming is one of the top picks in the Kentucky Derby. In his most recent start, a grade one race against three-year-olds at Gulfstream Park in Florida, always dreaming one by five lengths. So he has established his class at the top level. Horses that have won or placed in the grade at the grade one or grade two level fit on class. They are class qualified with regards to the Kentucky Derby. And that class analysis applies to the Derby. It applies to $10,000 claiming horses. A $10,000 claiming horse that has run well against company similar to what he faces today is a horse that fits on class. Now okay, we Brad, to I'm going to hold, wait, 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 I'm hold you right there, Brad. Sure. So we've got the first two factors down, the condition of the yeah. horse, class. When we come back with Brad Free, handicapper and columnist for the Daily Racing Form, we'll look at speed, we'll look at pace, 
We'll look at the types of wagers to make right around the corner. some alpha to your Facebook newsfeed by following the general. You'll get the latest intel in the world of cigars, info on the show each week, and see what the general is smoking. Click like at facebook.com slash Cigar Dave. As a cigar connoisseur, one of the pleasures that we derive is walking into our retailer's humidor and seeing the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. Nine years ago, I had the idea that I wanted to share great cigars with the cigar lieutenants. So, the Officers Club was born. Every month, you will receive three fantastic premium cigars direct to your door, shipped in a very dapper Officers Club customized Ziploc cigar pouch. $22.95 per month gets you the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. No long-term contracts. You can cancel whenever you want. You enjoy great cigars right to your door. Names like Perdomo, Diamond Crown, Brickhouse, San Latano, Rocky Patel, Torano, CAO, Avo, Camacho, Greycliff, and many more. Join the Officers Club today. Go to CigarDave.com, click on Officers Club, and for $22.95, you'll get the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. The Cigar Dave Show, your passport to unabashed pleasure. Well, in order to properly get ready for the Kentucky Derby, we need to have the appropriate libation. And what's the custom, customary libation? Of course, it is the mint julep with Woodford Reserve. So let's go through the cocktail to properly make it. First of all, you need two ounces of Woodford Reserve. You need a half ounce of simple syrup, three fresh mint leaves, and you need crushed ice. And here's exactly how you're going to make it. The first thing you're going to do is you're going to get a nice metal type of julep glass. You're going to take two bars, two spoons of sugar, put it in the glass, put the mint sprigs in the glass, two parts Woodford Reserve. You're going to then muddle and then put some ice in there, some pellet ice preferably. You're going to garnish it with mint, put a little powdered sugar on the top, a nice straw, and you have yourself a mint julep. Lovely. And if you were in Kentucky right now, and if it's it's nice and warm down here in the Cigar City, I guarantee you would want one to quench your thirst. So that is how you make the mint julep. Recipe at CigarDave.com. Posting on social media as well. Back with Brad Free, columnist and handicapper for the Daily Racing Forum. Brad... Nothing like being at the Kentucky Derby on a hot day and having a cool mint julep in your hand and a daily racing form in the other. Well, you have to have a daily racing form if you want to have any chance of winning uh, a bet because the daily racing form includes these thoroughbreds, recent 
racing history. And if you're going to make a bet on a horse, you want to know what the horse has been doing recently. We talked about condition. We talked about class. The other two important elements are speed and pace. And by speed, what I mean is a horse that can run a mile and one-eighth in a minute 49 at one track might have run faster or slower than a horse that runs a minute 49 at a different track. That's because the speed of the racing surface changes from race to race or racetrack to racetrack and from day to day. Well, daily racing form has made it real easy to compare horses' intrinsic speed by publishing buyer speed figures. Then those are the the numbers in bold in the daily racing form past performances. It's the only number that is bolded in the horse's running lines, and that tells you how fast a horse ran by the buyer speed figure. In the case of the Kentucky Derby, you want to have a horse that has run at least a 95 buyer speed figure sometime in his last couple starts in order to qualify for the Kentucky Derby, qualify for victory from a handicapping perspective. So any horse that has earned a 95 or higher may have an edge in speed figures. Horses that have not earned that number, horses like Battle of Midway, for example, whose career high is 88, he might be up against it. The final determination, the final important factor is pace. Pace is the tempo at which the race should unfold. For example, if you if you want to back a front runner, a horse that runs to the lead, but there are a half dozen other front runners in the field, well, you're going to be up against it. And that, that applies this year in the Kentucky Derby to Always Dreaming, who is a front runner in a race that I think is going to unfold at a quick tempo because there are several other horses with the same up front running style. That doesn't mean that Always Dreaming can't win. It just means that based on pace, he could be up against it. And if you want to back a closer, well, you better hope that there's all kinds of speed to set up his late run. Condition, class, speed, and pace. And that's the five-minute tutorial on how to pick a winner. Now, when I look at the daily racing form, first thing it has is uh, the number of the horse. It's got the name of the horse. It's got who owns it, the colors, all sorts of information. Uh, it's career starts, wins, places, shows, career winnings, all sort. All that info that you just gave us is all listed in the daily racing form. That's correct. Those are the those are called the past performances or PPs for short. And another, some people refer to it as the dope, the the dope of a horse, the PPs of a horse, and that is everything. Well, most everything that you need to know to make an intelligent wager. I remember when I was in high school going to college, I mentioned my my late great teacher, uh, history teacher, Earl Friedman, the Duke of Earl. May he rest in peace. And he was a history teacher, but he taught me more about math because of analyzing horse races. And I'll never forget, he got this little device that's that, that uh, at the time, I think it was made, believe it or not, by Mattel. It was like a horse racing analyzer. This like little, looked like a, like a, uh, a ruler, but it was kind of thick and you put in the numbers and it gave you these numbers and the damn thing was pretty close. And I remember he and I would sit there in the morning and analyze all these things. So there are all sorts of different methods that people use, but is there any sort of analysis tool available where you can go online or there's a service where you can punch in and it gives you some sort of analysis looking at all the horses past performances? 
Yeah, there there are plenty of handicapping programs out there that you know you you plug in the the data that you want to use that you feel is important, and they will spit it out. Uh, you know, give you a selection based on your input. I think that there's a a lot of subjectivity involved in handicapping a horse race, and while you want to use the the four factors: condition, class, speed, and pace, there are other nuances that one must be aware of. How is the track playing? Is it fast? Is it wet? Um, you know, how, how are the the how's the trainer doing lately? Is is his are his horses running well? How is the jockey riding recently? Is he is the jockey riding well? So beyond the basics that any uh, that a handicapping uh, system can provide, there are plenty of other nuances. How a horse is working out, um, the trainer jockey that also are considerations. Brad Free, handicapper, columnist with the Daily Racing Forum, our guest, Handicapping 101, and we will analyze the uh, 143rd running of the Kentucky Derby later today. Now, Brad, before we talk about the types of wagers that can be placed, let's talk about where people can wager because with technology that has changed, they no longer have to go to the track and they no longer have to go to an off-track betting parlor. They can do it from home, from the beach, on their mobile device, and there are numerous uh, places where they can wager as well as watch the races. Give us some examples. Yeah, the internet basically changed everything as far as horse racing goes. It's changed. It's changed the way we live. I mean, it changed print journalism. The internet did. It's changed retail. The brick and mortars are down the road, and it also has changed the the way that you can wager on a horse race. Once upon a time, the only way to bet on a horse race was to go to the racetrack. Give the teller your $2 and get a ticket in return. Nowadays, they have many companies called advanced deposit wagering companies, ADW. You put your money up in advance and you wager off that bankroll. Those companies include DRF Bets, which is a subsidiary of Daily Racing Forum, Express Bet, Twin Spires, TVG. There's all kinds of ADW companies out there. You can go online, provide a credit card number or access to your checking account, make a deposit, and you can be wagering on a horse race, uh, you know, within a matter of minutes. Now, not every state allows this. Most states do. But uh, most. But anyway, that's how you do it. And ADW, go online and you can make a deposit and start wagering practically immediately. And it is, as you say, it is legal, and these are based in the United States, so it's not uh, some, you know, country in Central America or some, uh, you know, third or fourth world country. It is all 100% legit uh, for the big companies, and you will get paid. There's no, it's very tightly regulated. All right, so now that we can make our bets literally on a mobile app or uh, while sipping a a uh, mint julep while smoking a cigar by the pool. Let's talk about how to wager. There is there are numerous types of bets. First up, you've got the win, the place, and the show. Well, those are that's the basics of uh, of betting a horse. You know, you want to bet your horse to win, and your horse has to win in order to cash your bet. More money is wagered into the win pool than any other bet at the racetrack. Then there's the place bet. And to cash your place bet, your horse must run first or second. Then there's the show bet, first, second, or third. As a general rule, Dave, I do not recommend betting place and show with one exception, a 20-horse field like the 2017 Kentucky Derby. 
If you like a horse in the Kentucky Derby and you want to bet on him, this is the one time of year because the field is so large that it actually kind of makes sense to bet across the board. Across the board is win, place, and show. You're going to cash a bet if your horse at least hits the board and finishes in the top three. After the win, place, and show, then you get into all sorts of crazy exotic wagers that are more difficult to hit. And because they are more difficult to hit, the reward is also, it, it can be through the roof. The exacta, you have to pick the first two finishers in order. In a 20-horse field, there are 380 potential exacta combinations. The trifecta, one, two, three in order. In a 20-horse field, 6,840 possible combinations. The superfecta, one, two, three, four, 116,000 possible combinations in a 20-horse field. And finally, a, a wager that I personally think is kind of ludicrous, but some people play it, and that's the super high five, picking the top five finishers in order. In a 20-horse field, there are more than 1.8 million potential combinations in the super high five. I generally confine my play to win exactas and trifectas and you can also box those meaning you can pick the exacta but it doesn't have to finish in the order you can uh, box it so that if any of them finish anywhere uh in the uh, what is it like the, the top three then you are good to go that's exactly right and you know th these high risk wagers you don't hit them very often but when you do you can make a ton of money in a very short period of time Okay, and there's more info, as you'll see, on the introduction of wagering and winning uh, the daily racing form. Uh, we've got a PDF that we have we have uh, put on the website, CigarDave.com. So a lot of information, and, and we'll put some sites as well, online references where you can look at this. Now, let's talk about the odds, because many of the time, many times people say, oh, I'm going to, that's the favorite. It's going off at one to seven. I want to, that's the one I want because I want to win. That's a bad bet. Well, that's a bad bet. If your horse is below less than even money, it's generally, you know, the, the, the reward is just, just does not justify the risk that you have to take. Um, and even money, if a favorite is even money or any horse is even money, that means you get, you're going to win the amount of your stake. If you bet $2 to win on an even money shot, that horse wins, you'll get back your original wager plus the, the $2. Another extra $2, so you get back $4 total. If your horse is 2 to 1, you're going to win twice as much as your wager. A $2 win bet on a 2 to 1 shot that wins will return $6. Your $2 that you originally invested and $4 in profit. Ah, uh, but wait. The track gets their VIG, so not necessarily. Well, that's well. the, the tote board odds take into consideration. Oh, they do. The the takeout, yeah. Those, they those do. odds that are on the tote board or on your ADW site have already factored in the, the takeout rate, which can range anywhere from you know 15% in the win, place, and show pool all the way up to close to 30% in the exotic wagers. All right. When we come back for our final concluding segment, we will focus our attention on handicapping the 143rd running of the Kentucky Derby as we get set 6.40, correction, 6.34 p.m. this evening. 
one and a quarter miles, two million purse guaranteed. It is really the Super Bowl of horse racing, certainly the most recognizable race, the start of spring, the unofficial launch of summer as we get set for the Kentucky Derby 2017 tonight with Brad Free, handicapper and columnist of the Daily Racing Forum. Download the Cigar Dave mobile app for Android, Kindle, and iOS so you can listen to the general anytime, anywhere. The Cigar Dave mobile app is presented by Diamond Crown. Search Cigar Dave in the App Store today. Okay, people, we've just been awarded the Brickhouse Ad Account. Now, this cigar was named Best Bargain Cigar of 2009 by Cigar Aficionado, got a 91 rating, plus it's the hottest cigar on the market. So, we need an award-winning slogan. He's a brick. How? What about, it's not your grandfather's cigar? Ah, it's been done. Next. How about good to the last draw? Come on, something original, people. You deserve a brick today? Now, who are you? Do you even work here? Excuse me, sir. Am I to understand that every Brickhouse cigar is built with all the flavor and quality of the premium cigars of yesteryear? Yesteryear? Really? That's right, Bixby. But yeah, it costs around five bucks each. Indeed. Well, sir, people don't really need a slogan. They don't? No, sir. Then what do they need? Five bucks and a comfortable chair. Five bucks and a comfortable chair, genius! Meet the perfect cigar to share with friends. Brickhouse by J.C. Newman. Handmade in Nicaragua with a fine Havana Subido wrapper. Brickhouse starts out earthy and crisp and burns well-rounded and smooth. Nothing stands the test of a good time like a Brickhouse. For more, visit BrickhouseCigars.com. In 1964, Jose O. Padron began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. Nearly 40 years later, Padron cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padron controlling all aspects of the cigar making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. To Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padron family, it's called making great cigars. The Padron lines include the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padron Traditional line. All Padron cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano tobacco, available in natural or maduro. Experience Padron. For your Padron retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padron is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor. Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. is appropriate because at 6.34 p.m. Eastern Time, the 143rd running of the Kentucky Derby will get underway from Churchill Downs, Louisville, Kentucky. One and a quarter miles is the length of the race. Two million dollar purse guaranteed. There are 20 horses as of right now in the field. And to look at the 2017 Kentucky Derby, and analyze the race. We're rejoined by our, by our special guest, 
handicapper and columnist for the Daily Racing Forum located out in Southern California and SoCal, Brad Free. And by the way, Brad, I must mention that I am looking at Amazon right now and your book, Handicapping 101, A Horse Racing Primer, is not only available in paperback, but it's also available electronically via Kindle. So if you anybody's listening right now, want to download the book, $24.95, you can buy it, comes your way in about 10 seconds, and you can uh, be uh, become a handicapping expert thanks to Brad. Yeah, you can read the book, and then you can come and take my job at Daily Racing Forum. Uh, I doubt that's going to happen anytime soon because there is a lot of, look, you've been in a long time so clearly not so simple but let's take a look at the kentucky derby and before we look at the current horses there is a horse sadly that is not in the race that really could have been the favorite the name of the horse mastery and uh it at uh based right near you at santa anita park and at the san Felipe stakes this is a was a great horse is still a great horse but broke his leg uh, correction broke i think his ankle and, uh, I mean, his previous three races before that uh, devastating accident, he had won the three races, returned to the winner's circle without, you know, even breaking a sweat. And uh, this is uh, a horse that Bob Baffert trained. And for the first time, Bob Baffert will not have a horse, I think, in many years in the Kentucky Derby. But what's interesting about Mastery, he was born on May 3rd, 2014, the day of the 2014 Kentucky Derby. Great lineage. And it is really sad, tragic that this horse uh, not in this race. Yeah, Mastery was probably uh, Bob Baffert's best chance this year to win the Kentucky Derby for the fifth time. He emerged this this colt emerged last year as one of the top two year olds in California. He won his first three starts, and in early March, in a race that was expected to launch his campaign toward the Kentucky Derby. Mastery ran away from the field in the San Felipe Stakes. He won by more than six lengths in a very fast time. But as soon as he crossed the wire, I was there at Santa Anita that day. You could see that something was not quite right. And by the time that he got into the turn, jockey Mike Smith pulled up Mastery, jumped off. He could tell that the horse had been injured. And Mastery, unfortunately, suffered an injury that... I'm not quite certain if if they have announced that he'll never race again. I would be surprised if he did. But the horse survived. He had surgery, had screws inserted into the brake, and he'll come go back to become, a, 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 if nothing else, a, a good, solid stallion. But he was the top two-year-old in California last year, would have been the top three-year-old in the country this year until that injury. Sometimes the road to the derby, can uh, can produce a whole lot of tragedy. In the case of Mastery, you know, the, the story will end well because he's going to survive this injury. But if he races again, I'll be surprised. Yeah, they say that uh, that his value, because of his pedigree, his bloodstock, uh, how he raced, could be worth north of $8 million. So the good news is he can still fornicate. He may not be able to race, but he can fornicate and get paid for it. That is not a bad gig. Now, let's take a look at the field for the 143rd Kentucky Derby. And let's try to do this. We've got, uh, let's see, just about four minutes. So why don't we concentrate, Brad, on maybe the top, say, uh, 10 horses. Uh, what do we say, Steve? How much time? Two minutes. Oh, two minutes. I, 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 I'm, okay. So let's, let's take a look at, say, the top five horses and give us your analysis. 
Well, I'll, I'll, I'll start off with uh, horses that scare me, and one of them is a, a closer by the name of Gunavera. He's going to be last early. He'll be rolling late. His jockey, Javier Castellano, was recently elected into the Hall of Fame, and if you're looking for a deep closer, somebody to come from the back of the pack and pick up pieces, Gunavera would certainly be one of the ones. Another horse to look at is a horse named McCracken. He finished third last time out in the bluegrass, but it was a step forward from his previous start. He will be making the third start of his comeback. He is training super at Churchill Downs, where he's three for three, and McCracken has a big chance as well. Gormley is the California-based horse. He won the Santa Anita Derby in very slow time, but he has run faster in the past. Gormley will get no love from speed figure handicappers, but I think he's a little bit better horse than his most recent start suggests, and he's not a bad horse anyway. He's won four out of six. Practical joke is a long shot that intrigues me. He hit the board in all six of his starts. His most recent start, a runner-up finish in the bluegrass, was a step forward from his previous start. Each race that he runs is a little bit better than the one before. I'm not sure if a mile and a quarter is within scope for practical joke, but as a long shot play, he's very intriguing. And my Okay, Brad, g- give us your pick. Give us your pick. Irish War Cry on top. He's a sharp horse in good form. Irish War Cry, the horse to beat in Derby 2017. All right, you say Irish War Cry. I got to go with the Battle of Midway. Love the name. Got to go. Brad, as always, great having you. Brad Free, handicapper and columnist of the Daily Racing Forum. Brad, I'll talk to you. I'll call you Monday. We'll see how we each did. How's that? And we Sounds appreciate great, you joining us. Uh, you all right. Fantastic. Lieutenant Cigar Day, the general say, Mayor Humidor, always be full. Mayor Cutter, always be sharp. Mayor Ashby, extra, extra long. Semper Delictatio, always pleasure. Long live the Alpha. Make America great. Go battle at Midway in the Derby. <laughs>